Amen, amen. Well, I hope, um, I hope you all had this past week great, um, great holiday time with family, being together for Christmas. I hope um, that you all just enjoyed um, some rest and some relaxation for some of you. And, and we also think this morning of those who um, the holidays are, are, are a rough time. Uh, maybe this past year someone has been lost close to you. Maybe maybe there's been the loss of uh, of, of a job or or uh, something like that, that that's made the holidays difficult this past um, this past week. So we think of that and and thankfully God's grace and and love covers those situations as well. Amen. And so you know as as 2018 comes to a close, uh, take a second then and and think with me how this this year has has been for you and your family maybe i'm sure you're already having those those kinds of thoughts how how was 2018 um for you and yours i'm as i said i'm sure like most there've been some some rough things that, that each of us have gone through maybe maybe some of you are still dealing with those things as we close the year some of you have lost someone close to you as i mentioned some have gone through horrible illnesses been diagnosed with something horrible, maybe rejection in a, in a relationship or, or at the workplace, at a job. Maybe there's been a change of career. But you've probably, you've probably um, had, had many good things as well. In, in some ways, big or small, God has blessed each of us. Amen? He's blessed each of us. For our young adults, many have started new lives in a brand new first career, maybe a new spouse for some, a new home. For our family, um, it was a good close to the year as we moved in um, to a new home to us. Um, we've been blessed um, by, by health and family, great jobs and friends. Um, but we've had challenges as well, our family has, that, that we all face inevitably, right? Um, challenges with, with, with work and with family and health concerns. But, but as we switch out the calendar to 2019, which, by the way, how many of you will write the year incorrect for the next three months, right? Like, you forget, and then you'll have to erase the part of the eight and try to make it look like a nine. Like, that'll happen dozens of times over the next few few months, Right? Uh, but as we turn that calendar over, our minds and hearts also turn to how we pray this next year will be different, right? The, the hope of a year of, of personal progress and growth. Our culture is generally obsessed, isn't it? These, these few, few days this week about making these resolutions, right? It's obsessed with it. You hear it on, on every advertisement. Things to do differently in the new year, to lose weight, to save money. Um, many, most, most resolutions people set for themselves focus on what? Self-improvement, self-betterment, self-reflection even. Um, fitness, nutrition coaches, gyms, and everything centered around health and wellness see a boom of business, right? Around this time of the year. It's, it's very common. This morning, though, as, as, as the bumper video there explained, we're turning it around a little bit. Instead of looking inward, we're asking this morning how each of us can focus instead on improving others. Others' improvement, right? Bettering others, reflecting on the well-being of not ourselves, but others. How, how is my neighbor doing? And to start that off, I want to take a look at this amazing section of Scripture This is the book of Acts chapter 2. Turn there with me if you've got it. Um, Acts chapter 2. That shows us a perfect model of what it looks like when when the church focuses our attention on others instead of ourselves. 
So this, read along with me. This is Acts 2, um, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This verse, church, is the perfect picture of what can happen when the church's heart is grounded in love and compassion. You'll notice there was no inference or suggestion of pressure put on the church um, that these believers had to do these things, that they had to, and there was no one mandating that they shared their things, their money. It was an overflow, right? It was an overflow of who they were in Christ. And so this series we're beginning this morning is in the title, Less of Me, and is going to focus us on living our lives to be others focused. This morning, we'll look at what would happen specifically if we lived by sharing willingly. Sharing willingly is what we're talking about this morning. Over the next few weeks, Pastor Barton, then we'll get into how we can um, serve and give respectively. And, and, but on the subject of, of giving, Pastor's going to get into more of the, the aspect of giving sacrificially. Um, so I want to, to, to stay in my lane and, and focus and talk about this morning about how we share the most important thing willingly, and that is the gospel. How do we share the gospel with those around us who haven't heard it, who don't know? We're talking today about evangelism, what we would know in the church is evangelism, okay? On this subject of sharing, um, how many of you know who've raised kids that, that sharing is not a natural inclination for children? It's just not even natural, right? The, in fact, it's typical that one of the first words that toddlers use consistently is what? mine, right? It's just like ingrained, like you, they start saying it and you're like, where in the world did they hear that? Right? It's almost ingrained somehow, um, in that, that sin nature we talk about in kids. It, it's the concept of taking something that's ours and giving it away either temporarily or permanently is completely unnatural to us. It goes against that sin nature to, to happily share things um, that belong to us with others for some reason. Maybe this inclination goes beyond our dislike of sharing our stuff. Maybe it's also seeped some into our dislike of sharing other things as well. Here, here's the rub as I prepared for this morning. Um, I think most of us as believers, if we've been believers for any amount of time, I think we, we understand that we should be sharing the gospel with those around us. I think we know that. I just the, the, I just feel like maybe sometimes we don't know how. The, the Great Commission Church wasn't a suggestion, really. It wasn't a suggestion. Jesus did not say, and listen carefully here, he did not say, therefore, if you'd like to go 
go and make disciples of, of whoever you'd like, but only if it's convenient for you, baptizing them however you'd like and teaching them whatever's convenient and, and obey some of the things I've commanded you. Okay. That's not the great commission. I hope you caught all those, those little things there. That's not what he said. Here are some things along those lines. Um, anybody ever seen the Jesus never said Okay, those on social media, have you ever seen those? Here, here are some other examples of things Jesus never said. Number one, let the children come to me. Unless they're crying during my sermons, then give their parents the stink eye. Never said that. Never said that. Number two, Jesus never said YOLO. Anybody? YOLO? Okay. Okay, for those not on social media, not up with the hip lingo, that stands for you live only once. You only live once. I got it wrong. You only live once. YOLO. Jesus never said that. Okay. Number three, moving on. (laughs) Number three, finally, something else Jesus never said. You should never talk about religion in public. It's uncomfortable and rude. Okay. Jesus never said that. Jesus never said it. Obviously, these statements are a little tongue-in-cheek, right? But you get the idea. Sometimes we have, we have these preconceived notions about matters of our faith or hear, hear people say things like what I just read. How many times have you heard people say, uh, don't talk about religion or politics, um, you know, anywhere? Like, you know, just two t- taboo subjects you don't talk about. Um, and, and of course there are times and places, church, where, where we should show discernment on whether or not, um, to have these discussions of, of faith. And, and, and there are times when the timing is not right. Of course that's true. But it really is an expectation. Of the life, of the life whose hope has been found in Christ that we share that hope with those around us. It's an expectation of, of, of Christ. So this morning I wanted to also provide, I hope to provide some real life examples of how uh, some are doing just that. Of how some are doing just that in hopes of inspiring um, some of us to do that. So along these lines, I'm going to invite my friend Frank Arase up here this morning. Give Frank a hand as he comes and join us. And Frank and I are going to have a conversation about how he shares shares the gospel in his in his context. So for those of you who don't know Frank, how's your stool? Is it going to be okay? Turn it around, do whatever you need to, Frank. Just don't stand on it, okay? I'm not okay. There you go, you got it. There you go. <laughs> So this will, this will all make sense to you in just a minute, okay? Um, Frank is as Italian as they come, right? Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, you do. <laughs> so when I first met Frank, the very first thing he did was kiss me on the cheek. That's the very first thing he did when he met me. And this boy from Missouri was like, what is going on? Where did I just come? Like, where did I just move my family? Now we don't, yeah, it doesn't happen much where I'm from. But Frank... Has, has an amazing ministry that he's been doing for, for quite some time now. I'm going to let him share details um, called Impact Theater and, and has worked to use his gifts and talents to share the gospel with those who may never walk into a traditional uh, church. Um, you can look up Impact Theater on Facebook and, and find more information and, of course, talk with Frank afterwards if you have questions. Um, but, Frank, thanks so much for being here this morning and, and just talking a little bit, about, bit with us, helping us out. Um, tell us a little bit now, starting out, um, why you began Impact and, and what the goal is of the ministry. Is this on? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, hi, everybody. How you doing? Seriously, how you doing? Um, I think I want to take a step back for a second because I know we're talking about evangelism, uh, brother. Um, 
so Impact Theater has been around for 20 years, but when the Lord saved me in New York City, um, I could remember I came out of the church and I went to, we went to Burger King, the brother who took me to, to, and I got saved. We went to Burger King and I can remember everybody I, I met, I wanted to tell, talk to about Jesus. I mean, the cab driver, the Burger King, I, I literally with everybody, I just was so excited to tell people about Jesus and what I had just found. And I think what happens is for me over the years, it becomes, it could get stale. And so I'm going to fast forward for a second. What has always burned a fire in me and the Holy Spirit is to continue that flame. And I could remember, I always go back to that day on 92nd Street in, in Harlem and remember what God did for me. And from there, I was on the streets constantly telling people of the gospel. When I moved up here, I, I didn't just start Impact Theater. Prior to that, I saw a need for young adults, and I started a, a sports ministry called Marathon Ministries, where we gave the gospel to young adults. Uh, a men's Bible study, which blessed my heart, blesses my heart that we're, Brother John, you're doing that, um, you know, because I saw men needing to grow. So there's always been a passion in me uh, to give the gospel by any means necessary. And Impact Theater, we started about 20 years ago, because when I moved up here, uh, I began to see a lot of coffee houses and, and a lot of uh, things springing up throughout Rochester that I didn't see in, in Manhattan, quite honestly. And as I went to these things and was invited to these things, I thought they were great. But I came out, and as I heard conversations, I felt something was missing. And, you know, I continued to pray about it, and I said, what was missing? And the truth of the matter is most of the time what was missing was the gospel. We were entertaining. We had a lot of talent in the church and we were presenting half of God's story and people were not leaving changed. And as I would talk with people, yeah, you may find a person here and there that God reached, but overall the gospel was really not pre being presented. And it certainly was not for lack of talent. It was not for lack of, uh, Wanting that, I believe. I believe most of the artists are sincere. They want to present the gospel. But I think there's a fear. I think one of the fears were, I'm not going to be liked. And if I sing this song, maybe sing about a nebulous gospel, a pseudo gospel, people will applaud me. And then afterward, I could shake hands and everybody's going to love me. Okay. And I think overall, that's just a, a dichotomy. Okay, it's a microcosm of how we present the gospel because we want to be liked. So Impact Theater was started through the heart of the arts to make sure that when we go out into communities, our production, whatever we do, is presenting the gospel. Yeah. And it's a gospel pre uh, presentation. Yeah, that's perfect. So, so sharing the gospel um, for you has, has been really it sounds like through everything that you've done since you since you became to know Christ you, you you said you couldn't wait to talk with that about everyone you know wherever whatever stage of ministry that's been for you so 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 tell us some of the obstacles then that you've had um, sharing the gospel what are some of the challenges that you've come up against um, in your day to day um, so how many know that when the gospel is presented if it's truly presented in, in its raw form 
you're going to have different reactions. For the believer, it might encourage them. It might lift their faith. But for the unbeliever, you're going to get a sometime negative reaction, many times a negative reaction. So uh, when we've presented over the years, we've had people openly stand up and challenge us right in the middle of a performance. Uh, we just did the Fringe Festival um, and people walking out, not only making sure they walk out, but they stomp their feet, slam the door, totally disrespectful. One person calling me a piece of ex excrement, but I'll, I will, I'll say excrement. I will use the other word. All right. Um, but let me say, let me say this, uh, over the 19 years and the reactions uh, I get from unbelievers, I don't see those as negative reactions because quite honestly, that was my reaction to the gospel whenever I heard it. I constantly spit in God's face. And when the gospel was presented to me, truly, I too had those reactions and opposed Christians to their face. So I don't take those as negative reactions. Those are actually reactions of the heart of the gospel confronting sin and, and a need to change our attitudes towards Christ. Um, and that was, those are kind of the reactions. I think the, the, the reaction that disappoints me the most at times is those from coming that are coming from Christians, quite honestly. So what, over, through the years of ministry, what, what has been, what, what have you learned? Uh, what keeps, what keeps many of us sometimes from taking that step to share faith with people? What, what have you learned about why, why many, um, are cautious to take that step to share their faith? I, I think a couple of things. Uh, and again, getting back to the beginning, I don't think it's a lack of sincerity. I, I really do believe when God calls us and he saves us, it is our heart's desire to please him. That's a true Christian, right? By renewing of your mind and your heart, it is truly a Christian's heart to see others uh, saved, I believe that with all my heart. I believe there are two things that come into play, not only when I came and started Impact Theater, what I was talking about, those instances with the artists and the coffee houses, but in all of our lives, it's fear and apathy. Uh, one fear, the fear part comes when we're afraid that how people are going to react. We're, we're afraid that people are going to challenge us, and they will. Okay, if you're on the streets, or you, anytime you present a gospel, there's, there's that fear. There's a fear that we don't know enough. And so, you know, that keeps us from doing, let's just say, the things that are not outward. So what we do is we face paint in the name of Jesus. We tattoo in the name of Jesus. We give water in the name of Jesus. But we don't have an agenda to give the gospel. Now those things all in and of themselves, we sing in the name of Jesus, but those things all in and of themselves are not bad things. They're good things. But the, the problem, they're safe things. You see, if I could hand you a, cu a, a cup of cold water and then someone thanks me, but there's no agenda to give the gospel. Guess what? You're not going to give the gospel. You're going to hand that cup of water, right? And, and go, I'm glad they didn't ask me anything. So I think the, the agenda should be when you hand that cup of water, when you sing that song, when you perform, whatever you do unto the Lord should have a undergirding agenda that give every man an answer for the hope that is within you. 
so that the agenda, the water is just a means. The agenda is when I hand you that cup of water, I'm going to pray that the Lord opens a door for me to share. And if he doesn't, that's fine. He knows the hearts, but that should be our agenda. Okay. And I, if that, that's because there's a fear. I believe the apathy piece, I believe comes in the attitude that, Hey, I got mine. Now you get yours. I got my salvation. Now you get your salvation and don't you, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to drag you to church. I'm going to take you somewhere where maybe you'll hear the gospel, but I'm apathetic to a soul that's lost. And that's sad because every person, every soul that comes into you and I lives is an opportunity. It's an etern- it's a soul that's going to be going to eternity. And the way I say it is this, listen, God, God's plan for an individual soul will not be thwarted on this earth. That person is going to hear the gospel by someone who is faithful. That person's going to have a chance at salvation by someone who is faithful. So why not let it be you and I? Why not let the Lord use us as that link? Because the one thing that's going to break apathy is going out and sharing the gospel with people. And find, find a ministry that shares the gospel. There are many at Living Word. Um, make sure you find a minute. Plug into somewhere. You know, if you don't want to go out on the street and hand out tracts or whatever you don't want, that's fine. But find something to break your apathy, break my apathy, and, and then you'll find there's nothing more beautiful and wonderful than seeing a soul saved. I'll share, I'll share this last story if I have a second. About three years ago, um, we moved into a place in Newark. We spent three months fixing this place up, painting it, uh, decorating it, and, I mean, we just went all out. Long story short, three months before we opened, we opened up, and uh, the landlord, the week before we opened, told us he's throwing us out. After three months of setting this place up. So he was going to toss us, and he gave us uh, about a month to, to, um, to get rid of our stuff. That night on our opening night, this 83-year-old woman I'll never forget it. She came forward because we call people up for prayer. Her name was Dorothy. And we presented the gospel through our drama. And she came up and she said, Frank, I've been going to my church my whole life. And I have never heard what you just presented tonight. And she accepted Jesus Christ that night. I didn't know how to, the dynamic behind that. But I told my troop that night, I said, would Jesus cause us to fix this place up and have to tear it down for one soul? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. That's us. That's you and I. If we just allow him, he'll take the fear, he'll take the apathy, and he'll turn it around. But you got to get involved. you got to take a step. Amen. Amen. Would you give Frank a hand to thank him just for being here this morning? Got it. So I hope you've heard from Frank this morning, uh, really um, about the intentionality of what their group has done through Impact. 
for each for each person in the group, what have they done? They've they've taken their talents, they've taken their gifts that God has given them, along with um, a lot of in, intentionality, as I said, and, and training from Frank. And they are using those talents and gifts to share the faith with people. <clears throat> this, I believe, is exactly the model that God shows us. Not some, not some complicated formula for sharing our faith that requires a, a degree in theology, right? In fact, there's, this, there's another beautiful picture in Scripture given of each of us using our talents resources and energy to serve the body of Christ and those that don't yet know him. And that actually without each of us present and using these gifts, there's something missing in the body of Christ. Read along with me. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12, um, 12 through 27. So it says the body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. I think you're probably getting the idea of, of where, where the author's going here. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with a special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And here, church, is the key to this section now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. So each of us, church, as members of the body of Christ, have something to offer to the body. So much so that if you, if you are missing, the body suffers. If Frank and his talents and, and, and are, weren't here, the, the body of Christ would suffer. If Ruth wasn't here, the body of Christ would suffer. I, I go on and on with each of you. If, if we're not present from this section of Scripture, we're seeing that something is missing. In the area of sharing our faith, in the area of evangelism, each of us are gifted in, in these same sort of unique ways to reach those around us using these gifts that God has given us. The gifts that Frank and his team possess, God is working through them to reach out to hurting individuals, many of whom don't know the Lord. A personal example of this, I've spoken quite a bit about my dad, um, who was also a pastor when I was a kid, and among other things, also a hobbyist beekeeper. 
um, a few years ago, he began hearing about opportunities to go and teach beekeeping as a practice of self-sustainability among people overseas, specifically pastors and, and missionaries living in impoverished and rural secluded areas. Uh, back in 2014, he had the chance to travel to India with uh, Brittany's dad, my wife's dad, um, and use his passion for ministry alongside the hobby and passion for beekeeping. He did it again on a missions trip I led to, to Guatemala in 2016 and has been in further talks with others about how he takes this passion for ministry and this hobby beekeeping and use that to spread the gospel as a missionary tool around the world. How random is that church that these two things come together and he's got this opportunity to share the gospel? It's actually not at all random. God, that's what he does. God does that. He, he, he will use us to reach others in the love of Christ in any way necessary. Uh, a pastor and author, Craig Rochelle, says of their church that we will do anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus Christ. That statement may sound a little extreme, but how far did Christ go to reach you and I? How far, what depths would God go to to rescue people? He'll use a group of performers and actors. He'll use a passion for beekeeping. He'll use anything from anyone willing to use what God has given them to share the love with the hurting, the love of Christ with the hurting. So how do we get to this point? How do we change our mindset from one of a cautious faith to one of a passionate motivation to share my faith? How do we get to that point in the book, Becoming a Contagious Christian, the author makes the point that the best way to raise our motivation level in the area of evangelism is to get God's perspective on the matter. And there are two lessons that help us do just that. This first lesson is from the field of science called the anthropic principle. Everybody say anthropic. <laughs> Simply stated, this principle implies that when we look around the world, it would seem very obvious to us that 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 somehow um, this this earth was designed to support and nourish human life. Here are some facts to support this anthropic principle. Number one, the universe's rate of expansion, if um, excuse me, if the universe's rate of expansion was raised or lowered by even one part in a million, because we understand that the universe is always expanding, right? If that rate of expansion was changed even by one part in a million, the possibility of life on earth would be ruled out. No chance. Number two, if the ratio of carbon to oxygen had been slightly different than it is, none of us would be able to breathe the air that we're breathing. If it had been a slight bit off. Number three, if you had changed, if the, the tilt of the earth axis had, had slightly shifted in one direction at all, we would freeze up immediately. If the axis tilted the other way, what would we do? We'd burn up if that axis has changed at all. This lesson we learn then from this principle is that God must have gone through an awful lot to make sure that things were just right for you and I to be here and to flourish. So God cares, at the end of that principle, God cares about us. The second principle to help us see God's perspective on evangelism is from business this time and what author Ken Blanchard calls the upside down pyramid. If businesses are going to be successful, simply stated, 
for the long haul, they must pull their attention and focus off of themselves and refocus energies onto their reason for existence, which is to serve the customer. So similar to the phrase of, of, of what we repeat some here at Living Word, uh, that the church is not a country club, right? In fact, it's one of the only organizations that once you join, it's no longer about you. We exist for those that don't yet belong. God's heart longs for those then, not in relationship with him. So the anthropic principle combined with this upside-down pyramid help us see God's perspective on the matter of reaching people. He cares an awful lot about people. Amen? Deeply about us. And he cares passionately about those not yet close to him. So our focus, our energy, our evangelistic fervor has got to be driven towards those who don't know the Lord. But as I mentioned before, reaching people doesn't mean following this formula. Often it's working the Lord into your day-to-day conversations with people at work, with friends, with neighbors. Dr. Michael Henderson, a director of a missions organization called Heart of Africa, wrote this. He says, we are tempted and encouraged to believe that the kingdom of God spreads throughout the earth by presenting the gospel through some pat formula to strangers. That doesn't happen very often. The gospel spread throughout the world of the first centuries by conversations between close friends and relatives, business associates and neighbors, people with whom the passionate Christians already had personal contact. So today the church grows and expands, the author writes, and people come to maturity in Christ nearly always through the influence of people they already know and trust like you. Even the most shy person among us talks to people every day. Most of that talk is idle chatter, not very useful for the advancement of God's kingdom. Every one of those less than redemptive conversations is a lost opportunity for extending the lordship of Jesus. However, if we could learn to enhance the quality of our conversations, he says, we could improve our ability to do what Jesus commanded, to make disciples. We could turn that meaningless chatter into a means of God's grace, helping our friends become all God intends for them and enriching lives and our own in the process. Guys, what an opportunity you and I have to bring people around us into loving relationships with the King. Do you, and do you see how simple that is? We're not talking about going and following this five-step plan for sharing Christ with others. We're talking about having meaningful conversations with people we're already in relationship with most of the time. The Bible isn't asking us on that then to be insincere, nor is Jesus expecting this to be a perfect process. But, I, but what, what Jesus is looking for, I believe, is hearts so alive in him, so passionate about what he's done in you. As Frank shared when he was first saved, that, 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 that fervor, that passion to just talk with everybody about it. You and I um, have that chance to share that with someone. Frank mentioned when we were talking earlier this week that he trains his team and others just to ask some simple questions um, of, of people. Statement like statements like "Tell me your story," right, Frank? Is that, tell tell me your story, or, or or tell me about you, and what does that do? That starts that conversation. 
that starts that conversation, that lets that person know we're, we're actually interested uh, in, in what they're going through, about their, their walk, about their story. If we show a sincere interest in getting to know people deeply, not the surface level stuff constantly, right? To listen to the experiences that have shaped people's lives. And if we're open to share the amazing things that God then has done in our lives, God can use us to influence people with the gospel. And then we can trust the Holy Spirit to do the rest of the work. Amen? We can trust God to finish the work. Church, we don't save people. We don't save people. We present the, we present the gospel and we leave it to the Holy Spirit to finish the work. To end though this morning, I've got something that I'd like each of you to join me in doing. And, and so Katie and the team are going to come and, and help us close. But while this song, this last worship song is played, I've got, I've got a sim- couple of simple instructions. The ushers are going to help me with something as well. I'm going to ask each of us to respond in a very simple way this morning. A very simple way. Here's what I'd like each of you to do. Um, the ushers are going to come. And they can go ahead and start. The ushers are going to come this morning, and, and I'd like everyone to take a, there's a white um, strip of paper, and there's a pen coming around in the basket. So if you would take, if each person would take this, this, this strip of paper and a pen, um, I'm going to give some further instructions, further instructions on that. So those are coming around. Um, I spent some time this past week cutting like 400 pieces of paper. So, <laughs> so um, we should have plenty. We should have plenty. I'm going to wait a little bit as those come around. I'll give some instructions as, as those are going. Here's what I'd like you to do. On this, two pe- on this piece of paper, um, spend a couple moments here. And I'd like you to begin thinking of, of people within your sphere of influence that you could have direct um, impact on by sharing the gospel with them. What, what, what people in your, in your sphere, um, neighbors, family, friends, um, who, coworkers, who, whoever, two people that you would love to see come to know the Lord. Whoever that, whoever that would be. Maybe a family member that you've never quite had the opportunity to share Jesus with. Maybe, maybe complicated. Um, but, but the names, the names that you're writing down, church, these people matter to God. Amen. They matter the Lord. And he desperately wants, he desperately wants these people that you're thinking of to come into a relationship with him. And as Frank shared, Maybe you're that person. Maybe you're going to be that person that gets the opportunity to share the gospel with them. So write down these two names. Write down these two names for me. Internalize them. Okay, don't leave, don't leave from here this morning and forget the two names that you wrote down, okay? Because you're actually going to leave them here this morning. I've got another instruction for you here in a little bit. Simple, no, not embarrassing anyone. But I need you to internalize. Take a picture with your phone if you if you don't think that you'll remember. Whatever you need to do. Can you can church? Can you imagine the impact if every one of us shared the gospel with one or two people? Can you imagine the impact that God would have throughout our area if each of us 
this next year intentionally shared the gospel with two people. So here's what we're going to do. As the worship team starts here, I'd like each of you to take those pieces of paper with those two names on them. And as this, as a song plays here, I'd like you to very simply just come up. You can fold that paper shut if you'd like. And I'd just like you to place it up here on the altars. Symbolically, we're laying these names in before the Lord. Amen. We're laying these names to say, these are two people, God, that aren't in relationship with you, that I'm, I'm going to commit to praying about a divine appointment, an opportunity to share the gospel with these two names. Symbolically, then I'm going to lay these, Lord, before you and trust that you'll give that opportunity. And then very intentionally, church, we can't just lay these, lay these names here and then go do nothing, right? So there's going to be, have to be action behind this. Commit these two names to prayer. Commit these two names to prayer daily, that these names would, would flow through your heart, through your mind. Ask God to give you an opportunity to share the gospel with these people and in boldness to share your story and to share the hope of Jesus with these two individuals. So the worship team is going to play. If you would come as they start and just lay your sheet of paper right there on the table. And let me, let me promise you, we're not going to embarrass anyone. I'm not, I'm not reading these names. I'm not posting these. Just come, just come um, as the music starts and lay those here in this altar. Thank you. Lord, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you this morning for God, these names up here on the altar. Jesus of, of, of hundreds of people represented here, God, that, that are lost. God, without, outside of a relationship with you. God, I pray for a fervor this year for myself to reach out to someone who needs to know you. I pray for divine moments, God, where people would, would step into and share the truth and the hope, Jesus, that's only found in you with those that need to know about your word, about your truth. God, thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you for um, just your presence. Your presence changes things. Just go with us the rest of this week. Blessings in 2019, Lord. In your name we pray. Everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you.